Hi, this is Elie Fishman, and let's do part three, which is going to be the last part of gastric tumors. And let's start with just tumors. Just tumors are something I see fairly commonly now. They used to go by different names from leiomyosarcomas. They're stromal tumors. They make about 1% of gastric tumors. They arise from a common precursor cell displaying spindle cell or epithelial morphologic characteristics. Classically, there's certain pathology. CKID or CD117 protein is positive. That's the key for diagnosis. CD34 is often positive, and S100 and Desmond less commonly positive. When you talk about just tumors in general, 70% or so occur in the stomach. Most of the other ones occur in the small bowel, but you can see it anywhere in the GI tract, including the esophagus and the colon. When you look at some numbers, it makes up about 2.5% of all gastric tumors, up to about one-third are malignant. The malignant risk increases with an exogastric location, size over 5 centimeters, extension to adjacent organs, or with mitosis greater than 1 per high power, greater than 1 for 50 high-powered fields. From a CT perspective, they often have a classic appearance. They're typically exogastric. They very commonly have ulcerations. The malignant gists are often inhomogeneous with central necrosis, and metastases to the liver are common, and it's often cystic. What I've noticed is that smaller gist tumors whether it's stomach or small bowel, tend to be very vascular, and the larger ones tend to be more necrotic. When you talk about sub-epithelial lesions of the stomach, there's a large differential diagnosis, and GIST is only one of about 10 players, from glomus tumors to paragangliomas. Small GIST tumors look like this, homogeneous, well-defined. This one's intraluminal. And larger GIST tumors can look just like this, polypoid mass, intraluminal, modeled enhancement, coronal view. It looks like a big stalk. That's classic for a GIST tumor. There's no way a lymphoma or an adenocarcinoma is going to look like that. It's almost like a, a, a thing hanging, a bat hanging off a tree or something. You can see it very nicely on these other examples as well. Classic just tumor. Now, another example. Here's a wonderful case of a just tumor. Here it's intraluminal as well as exophytic. There's ulcerations present within the mass. Very nice example of a gastric just tumor. There's mild enhancement, but you can see the ulceration particularly nicely on the sagittal view. You can see this case has some intraluminal component, but the majority of the component is extraluminal. Sometimes the majority of the component alone is extraluminal, even in a small lesion like this. This is one of the smaller GIST tumors. Uh, this is probably going to be benign. It's exophytic. This will probably be resected because of the chance of future malignancies or the chance of ulceration. Very nice example. You can see there's some enhancement at the very edge of the lesion which is very nicely shown here as well on the 3D volume rendering. Now the GIST tumors I learned to love are the large ones. Sometimes with GIST tumors, you can't tell if they're coming from the stomach or the retroperitoneum or pancreas or adrenal. Look at this large GIST tumor here, exophytic. There's no direct communication like an ulcer with the stomach, but it's a large exophytic mass. You can see very nicely. 
and then I'll take you through the coronals. Very classic appearance. They can be extremely large. Look at this example. Here you worry because it may involve the left lobe of the liver, but it's hard to tell. Is this coming from the liver? Is it coming from the stomach? Is it something simply pushing on the stomach? Very nice example to show that. And then in the coronal view, you see the areas of solid component, the areas of enhancement, as well as the areas of cystic component. Or another example, here's a tumor going and invading directly into the spleen. Large gist tumor. This will be resected, quite frankly, and will be do well with resection. But you can see some calcification also in the primary tumor mass, which is shown here as well on the coronal view and here as well on the volume rendering and MIP imaging. So again, very classic appearance. Another example, look at the size of this lesion. It involves the spleen by direct extension. This patient will get a gastrectomy and a splenectomy. There are small nodes present, but you can see the necrosis. So just tumors are one of the most necrotic tumors. Uh, they're solid, but have areas of necrosis, particularly as they get larger. They often can have vascularity. I mentioned the most vascular gist tumors are the smaller ones. But if you look at this case, a large gist tumor coming off the stomach, it's actually hard to pick an epicenter. There's some enhancement. But when you look at the MIP imaging, look how impressive the enhancement is. So gist tumors, even when they're large, can be extremely, extremely vascular. Patients can present with intussusceptions, with abdominal pain, or with GI bleeding. Now, the reason it's important to be able to think and suggest just tumor, you are going to operate on just tumors, but if you think it's a just tumor, then what you're able to do is give chemotherapy first, and you give Gleevec, and Gleevec works very, very well in terms of shrinking the tumor, making it necrotic, and then you could operate on the patient. Gleevec is a tyrosine kinase inhibitor, uh, and it's standard chemotherapy for these patients. So very, very important. With gastric gist tumors, prognosis is correlated with tumor size and mitotic rate. Gastric gist carry a better prognosis than small bowel gists of similar size and mitotic rate. And in general, gists portend a better prognosis than adenocarcinoma. Gastric gliomyomas can calcify. Gist tumors occasionally can have calcifications, but in my experience is pretty rare. This is a nice example of a gastroglyomyoma. The calcification makes it a bit easier. Submucosa, subepithelial type location. And you can see it very nicely on the sagittal or coronal volume rendering. Now, sometimes when you think about tumors, you also will think about other tumors. So, for example, in this case, you look quickly and you say, what am I looking at? First, I think there's a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas. But then you look at there's a mass in the stomach, which is vascular. And these are simply enlarged nodes in the peripancreatic and celiac zone. And what gives you enlarged nodes that are vascular and a primary vascular mass in the stomach? There are several things, but the one you have to think about is a carcinoid tumor, uh, occasionally metastatic renal cell or a glomus tumor can look like that. Type 3 is usually a solitary hypervascular tumor that rises from the submucosa, and that's type 3 carcinoid tumors. Uh, another example, gastrocarcinoid tumor, you can see the uh, stomach here with fluid. Here it is when you target down a little bit toward the antrum or just prior to the antrum in the body, 
You can see there's a one centimeter enhancing lesion, beautiful reconstructions, a flat lesion, very difficult to detect with endoscopy. It was initially missed, very difficult to detect with almost any study, but just a very nice example. And because it's carcinoid, it's enhancing. Enhancement is not perfect. I can see it in glomus tumor. I can see it in metastatic disease, but it's something to think about. Now, let me just mention metastasis to the stomach. Three main patterns. The classic thing we all think about is linitis plastica or diffuse infiltration. We talk about nodules in the stomach like melanoma and solitary masses, which would include melanoma. Great example of an infiltrating tumor in the stomach. The stomach does not distend. This was a patient with breast cancer. This case, large mass exophytic. I would have picked a gist tumor every time. That's what I said. This was metastatic melanoma. Metastasis to the stomach arise from lung cancer, breast cancer, and melanoma. And they can be very large, and here was a great example of one. Now, I also want to say that not every case with thickened stomach means the patient has cancer. Here's an antrum that's thickened. I worried about carcinoma. This patient was scoped several times. This was gastritis secondary to NSAID use or NSAID abuse. Or this case, which I thought surely was an infiltrating carcinoma. The surgeon felt a rock-hard antrum at surgery, thought it was carcinoma. This ended up being chronic, severe gastritis, and the patient had gastric resection, but there was no malignancy present. So it can be challenging. Here's the example of the uh, edematous uh, submucosa in the antrum in a patient with gastritis. Just a very nice example. Now let me just mention a couple things about benign tumors of the stomach. Polypoid lesions are not uncommon, and in fact benign tumors make up about 90% of gastric tumors. There are numerous types from neurogenic tumors to smooth muscle tumors like pomas and hyperplastic polyps, and here's a nice example of hyperplastic polyp. The better the CT is, the more likely you will pick up these small polyps. Now, at times, it can be tricky. Here's a polyp in the patient's antrum. It's enhancing, but this uh, sure looks like a carcinoma. This ended up being an inflammatory polyp, very nicely seen in this example. Kind of looks like a mushroom. We also see gastric lipomas. Lipomas can be anywhere in the GI tract. It makes up less than 1% of gastric tumors typically some mucosa, more common in the antrum. Occasionally, they can bleed or intersuscept, but most commonly are incidental findings. They're usually well-circumscribed, fatty attenuation around a minus 100 Hounsfield units. They can have ulcerations, but that is fairly uncommon, and they're always benign. Beautiful example of a lipoma in the stomach, as well as in the fourth portion of the duodenum, very nicely shown in this case and very nicely shown in the coronal view as well. I showed you at the beginning of this talk gastric varices and made the point you need to be careful. Patients with cirrhosis, you want to make certain that you're not overcalling the presence of a gastric mass. Non-contrast can look like a mass, or rather early phase contrast, or non-contrast can look like a mass. And sure enough, venous phase, it's all varices. So you need to be very careful. If you're uncertain, get delayed scans. Now, varices can be very helpful as a cause of understanding why patients have GI bleeding. If you have a patient like this with GI bleeding and it's upper GI bleeding, you better suggest the possibility of uh, hemorrhagic gastritis. Postoperative imaging, 
We do follow patients post-gastric resection. Here's a nice example of antral resection with a small bowel anastomosis, very nicely shown in these sets of images. Uh, here's an example of a patient with recurrent gastric cancer, which invades the spleen and the area around the stomach up to the GE junction, nicely shown in this infiltration. And here's just two more views of that. There are some questions about using PET-CT, and I think PET's a challenge because there's lots of uptake in the stomach. The challenge is there's a variety of histologic types of gastric cancer, the physiologic properties of the stomach, and the spatial resolution of PET. So it's going to be a while until we really see where PET scanning fits in. At this point, it's not a primary uh, uh, factor. Wu makes the point that tumor size is one of the major factors. Small lesions, PET is not going to be good. So again, it's going to be a challenge. But here's just one example showing you PET uptake in the stomach. So it may prove some value in the future. And again, this article by Wu talking about the different sensitivities for different types of gastric malignancies. Uh, most studies report that FDG PET had significant lower sensitivities in detecting diffuse type carcinoma, mucinous adenocarcinoma, or signet ring carcinoma rather than intestinal type gastrointestinal uh, gastric adenocarcinoma or tubular adenocarcinoma. So there's a lot we're learning and time will tell. So concluding then, I've gone through a number of things. I've talked about the importance of examination protocol and I've addressed that. I've talked about the various tumors from adenocarcinoma to lymphoma to GIST to metastasis and I've discussed that as well. I've gone through some of the potential pitfalls which focus on how the study is done and I've gone through and helped you with a differential diagnosis. So with that, I'll stop there and thank everybody for their attention. Thanks a lot. See you next time.